So I get to be up here to introduce something that we do almost every year. It's one of my favorite things. It's called the 5x5. Five five. Have you guys heard of the 5x5? Five five? It's five people that are going to give us five minutes. And if you're like me, you know when you have a point and you have to execute that point, five minutes is not a lot of time. So be prepared for like words, a lot of words. I was going to say a bad word, but I don't want to talk about that. Um, you know, just it's going to be a lot of fun. So, but we have been, um, as gosh, most of you probably know in this series of the patterns of Jesus, right? So we first talked about this year the pattern of withdrawal and return, return, where we saw Jesus who withdrew to be with the Father, only to return in community. And we just believe that we want to be a people who withdraw to be with the Father and return looking more like him. Amen. And now we're, in a, now we're kind of at a place where we're talking about the pattern of the temple to the table. We got dinner parties going. It's our version of the table, and it is weekly, and it is phenomenal. You guys, we've had over 75 people just this week who have gathered around the table. That is unheard of. It is incredible. And almost every single, actually, I do think every dinner party had someone new show up. So that is phenomenal, something to be celebrated. And so what we're going to do is we are going to start off. We have five amazing humans here with us. Why don't you guys stand up? We're going to have Pastor Judy Cole. Come on. We're going to have Jesse. Jesse, there he is. We're going to have Kristen, John. And to finish things off, we're going to have Mary. I know they're excited. So listen, with the 5x5, five five, we like your participation. We want you to kind of sit on the edge of your seat, talk back, cheer them on. It's hard to give five minutes, but you guys can do it because you're superheroes. Are you ready for this? I want to pray over you as I'm sp <laughs> like spitting all over the place up here. Well, Father, we just thank you for these five amazing uh, preachers in the house this morning. We thank you, Lord, the word that, that you've given them about the temple and the table. And God, we just ask for you to move, Holy Spirit. Let us not lean back, but let us lean forward. Open our hearts, open our ears, and get ready to receive this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Awesome. This is one of my favorite preachers of all time. I'm not going to stand up here and introduce one by one. They're just going to do it, but... This lady that's about to kick things off is one of my favorite preachers. And if you ever get the honor of hearing her preach, be there. Women's Brunch 2020's coming at you. Awesome. Okay, get on up here. Give her a hand, everyone. Here she comes. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, good morning. Don't stop my clock yet. So... Gosh, worship was phenomenal, you guys. That song blows me away every time, doesn't it? Doesn't it just like, you just don't want to ever leave, right? Just don't want to ever leave. And um, so I'm excited to be here, and I'm going to spew some words at you really fast because five minutes does go really fast, and I don't know if we have a timer. I can't see anything, so hey. <laughs> I might run into Mary's time. You might have to go like that short, Mary, in the very end. So that's our goal. Our five by five is to make Mary's time really short. Not really, no, because she's phenomenal. But anyway, I just want to, like, go off of um, Pastor Brandon's um, sermon last week. I 
was, um, let me just start, that last Sunday I thought was a phenomenal message. I thought it was um, so powerful. And one of the things that really struck me so profoundly was Pastor Brandon's statement that we are meant to share our table with people who are in our lives but far from God. And I don't know about you, but in my life, um, most of my friends are Christians. Um, I've pretty much grown up in church, and I've served my whole life in the church, and I've pastored, and my husband's in ministry. And so it's always been a bit of a challenge for me um, to push out, if you will, and extend outside the boundaries of the people that are immediately in my life. You know what I'm saying? And But this last week, a friend of mine passed away from cancer. I got a text about two weeks ago saying that she was in hospice. And this past Monday night, she left to be with Jesus. Terry was, Terry, what's her name? Terry Swarzynski was the first person to come to Christ at C3. We were called to Hope Church back then, and um, Pastor Brandon was our youth pastor, and his, Terry's daughters were coming to our church, and she would park outside and out in the parking lot, and she would just sit out there and wait for them. And um, one night I walked out there and I said, hey, would you like to come on in? I mean, you're welcome to come in. We're not weird or anything. Like, you're totally welcome to come in, you know. And, um, and she, she did, and she would only sit way in the back. And um, she started to come every week. And she heard Pastor Paul say over and over again that God loves you passionately. And she had suffered a hugely dysfunctional childhood and couldn't believe that God would actually really love her. But one day she gave him her heart. And her life was radically changed. And she headed up our children's ministry, and she loved Jesus, and she constantly served, and she literally knew nothing about Jesus or the gospel. And she just ate up Bible studies and just grew and grew in her life and her faith. And she was feisty and fun and loved God with all her heart, and she also became a dear friend. I'm sorry, I have to keep looking at this, but she had moved to Arlington, and I didn't see her as often, although she came and stayed with my mother during her illness, and it was the most precious four days that I get to look back on now. And I knew that she had breast cancer, but she said they got it. And I saw her last year in November, and she looked great. And we had a sweet hug and promised to grab coffee after everything settled down. But what I didn't know was that the cancer had spread to other parts of her body, that she had decided not to do chemo, and I just didn't know. But the promises to catch up and see each other never happened. And I'm living with that regret right now. And last Sunday, I was convicted deeply to be more intentional about bringing people who are in my life but far from Jesus to my table. And that afternoon, God put my neighbor deeply on my heart. And I mean, I just couldn't shake it. So I knew that I had to be obedient and invite her. And y'all, she's the sweetest, and she lives right next door to me, but I hadn't talked to her in about three months. And um, I thought, oh, yeah, right, I'll just like, hey, you want to come over? You know, have dinner? And I, but I just could not, like, really shake that, and I finally, I just, <laughs> I sent her an email, because I didn't have her phone. <laughs> so I said, hey, 
nor having dinner unless he might be there, and you know, and so, and she came. She and her husband came, and I was the most shocked person, you know, because I had, I had listened to Jesus, and he told me what to do, and I actually did it, and um, there's so many more details to this, but what am I trying to say in my two seconds that are left? In the scripture, Brandon has been teaching from Acts 2, 46 to 47 in the message. It says that they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple. And can I just say to you that if you are daily in the word, and if you are practicing a discipline from hearing from God at your temple, in your house, and, and daily meeting with him, that out of that time, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and God will stir you, and he will bring people to your mind. We've all felt the nudge of the Spirit. We all have. That prompting to call someone or text someone or invite someone. And could I just encourage you today to not just listen, but to act? You know, my thought was in, that, in those moments and that time where God was just like, invite, invite Joanne, invite Joanne, was, wow, God must really love her to put her on my heart so strongly. So you know what? We need to respond quickly. We never know if it's a Terry. And you may be the answer to someone who's been praying for their son or their daughter or their neighbor, or we just don't know. We never know what our yes will mean. So don't regret. Don't regret. In Acts 2, 46 and 47, in the Passion, it says, and the Lord added to their table daily those who were coming to life. And Pastor Paul said a few weeks ago, hope comes from the Lord, but it's delivered by people. So be in tune to the Spirit of God in your daily ritual. Obey his promptings, and let's not have regrets. Let's be people who are adding to our numbers daily, because they are encountering Jesus at our tables and coming to life. Amen? Amen. That was awesome. Follow up the rock star. Need some boots like her. <laughs> I'd feel a lot more confident. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start just by reading the scripture again, the, uh, Acts 2, 46-47. So they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at homes. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praise God. People in general like what they saw, Every day, their number grew as God added to those that were saved. So that scripture was what my family experienced the first time we went to dinner party. Um, and if you know a little bit of our story, we kind of came from a rough church background. So we were kind of turned off to it. So to step into an environment that was joyful and just welcoming and, like, come hang out, like, just be with us, like, have a good time, share a meal, share a drink, like, that was the single most refreshing thing we could have ever experienced. And it's funny to think about because I used to only think like you could experience that in a setting like this or at a Bible study or something like that where a Bible's open. Um, and to experience just around the table, um, enjoying people's company and being welcomed was by far one of the most helpful things we could ever uh, have experienced. So um, what I, I kind of want to share just based off of that, like the testimony of um, what we experienced. And I want to share um, that... Uh, 
that in order to be um, kind of different to the people that we're around, uh, we need to look different. We need to act different than kind of what people are used to from church people. Because we really, we have no business even really gathering here if we can't love the people we're in contact with every day. Um, if I can't, if I can't, you know, be welcoming or help someone who's stuck on the side of the road, or uh, if I can't serve people well in my job, um, I, re I really have no business to raise my hands and worship God. Um, so uh, I think the foundation that we're building with dinner parties and um, just being with people and hearing them out, no matter who they are, because we walked in with a church background, but there are people that are walking in who don't have any idea who God is or what it means to be a Christian. So that's why I say that, um, and I really just think it's important for us to, uh, to connect and grow. It's going to challenge us to, to, uh, to love people better um, and yeah, to continue growing. It's a, it's a humbling thing to have to uh, open up and be vulnerable with people because here we can, we can easily just, uh, just walk in and walk out of the service. So, yeah, it's quick to the point, but that's what I wanted to share. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Whew. Number three, I, I, I think I'd rather go on, you know, Here's a funny story. Last night, I was working a wedding, and just let's just be real. They sent out the lineup, and I'm like, I'm on worship in the morning, and then I've got, I just need a minute together. I thought, I think I would have rather gone first, because then you would follow up anyone, right? It's great. <laughs> but here we are, number three. <laughs> Get what you asked for. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm going to read the same verse out of the, uh, the Passion Translation as Judy had read. It says, daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praise, praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. So in this whole temple-to-table pattern, um, I believe there's also a pattern in the in-between that we have to have, and it's the open-door pattern. And so I, uh, there's this visit... I'm going to cry. It's fine. Um, there's, this visit, <laughs> there's this Visit Fort Worth campaign. Yeah, I'm going to steal it for my sermon illustration. Um, it's, it says, y'all means all. Everyone's welcome in Fort Worth. And I think that's the mentality that we have to have for the kingdom. Y'all means all, and all's welcome in the kingdom. There's not one of us that's better than, a, better than the other. So looking um, at this, going from the temple to the table and the temple to table, and we constantly see in the New Testament that the miracles that took place were in the in-between. They were in between the temple to the table at someone's home. And so they did take place in the house, but most of them took place out in the villages or in the streets. And um, so with that, um, I don't, I lost my train. Anyways, so they took place in the, temp in the streets. And so I don't think it's ironic that we have this streets and hearts mentality. Um, we have to have that in order to create this temple-to-table pattern, um, in order to create this open-door pattern. Um, four and a half years ago, we moved into our, I'm really emotional this morning, guys, just go with it. Really just trying to speak strong through, that's what my friend Scott Trusky told me to do the other day, so I'm just going to do it. Um, so if you start crying, you talk louder. No, I'm kidding. This is, anyways, um, I don't know where this is coming from. I apologize. Uh, so anyways, four and a half years ago, we moved into our house in Fairmount. Um, yeah. 
was a dream that we'd had. Um, we didn't know how we were going to get there. Um, but I just loved old homes, and I just was fascinated with this neighborhood of Fort Worth. I've always loved Fort Worth. And when John and I started dating again, um, we there was, I'm a coffee snob, and there's there was a coffee place that opened that called Avoca. And so we drove down here in 2010 and started hanging out in Magnolia, which back in the day you would never hang out in Magnolia. It's not the place to hang out. Um, especially when my dad found out where we moved, he was like, you moved where? <laughs> I was like, dad, it's cool now. It's safe. It's safe. We have a green area. We're in the light green. It's good. <laughs> Crime's good. <laughs> um, so, but I didn't realize the doors that we were opening just by in that dream. I didn't realize that the dream that I had was actually, um, God was orchestrating it, and it lined up with the dream he had for us. And so um, we just had this, we kind of just had this open door mentality without realizing that's what it was, and we created this open door pattern at our house. And um, there are a lot of things that we thought would go differently when we moved into that house, but I wouldn't change how it's gone. Um, It was almost double whatever it was um, at the other house. But the people who come into that house daily, and I mean daily, like I, the other day I was out of the coffee shop and um, Bex walked in. And these are, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but these are people that I literally became friends with at the coffee shop. I'm not kidding. Like I, at the coffee shop. They're some of my favorite people now. They're in my house. Um, I, we, we go on trips together. We went to Austin randomly last year, and I knew one of the girls for like a month. Um, but it was just this open-door mentality that if they wanted to be with me, I was going to be with them. And so, um, sorry. But yeah, the other day, um, Alyssa I was taking her to the airport, and they, she came over to uh, pick me up because we were going to use their car because they took, like, 75 bags in New Zealand. Um, and so, anyways, <laughs> uh, I don't even know where the time – okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so they came over to my house, and Bex and Kylie were in there because I had gone up to the coffee shop to work. I got most of what I needed to done. Bex had gotten off work and came to the shop that she – she works at Camp Bowie Craftwork. She came to craft work on Magnolia to hang out after her shift. And so she walks in, and then, um, no, sorry, Kylie walked in. And Kylie's a dog, and it was raining. So Kylie's like, can we just go to your house? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, my house is a wreck. Like, sure, we can go to my house. Great. Come to my house. So she came over, and then um, Bex ended up coming over, and then I took them to the airport, and we came back, and we hung out. And all that to say that, I met Kylie through Bex from hanging out at a coffee shop. Kylie, um, we have had in the past few conversations, the past few weeks, um, some really deep conversations about Christ. And they were sitting at a bar. And so you just never know when you have the open door policy where you're going to end up. Um, we sat at Southside Cellar the other day, and I had no idea um, everything she was struggling with. And we just got to share, I just got to share a little bit with her. And I don't know where that will go, but I know 
that by having that open door, she found, she found a comfortable space. And as long as we are living as God created us in his image, she's seeing Jesus. And that's all we can do. So for this temple-to-table pattern, for, for us to see miracles and see Jesus work in a mighty way, we have to have the open-door policy to allow him to bring those people into our lives to work through them. So that's all I have. Y'all means all and an open-door pattern. Yeah, I'm just going to say... Thanks, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. No, I'm just kidding. So, man, babe, that was good. Um, so, do you guys ever um, have something that, like, you do that's new, and then, like, all of a sudden it becomes top of mind? Like, you, uh, like you, you buy a new car, and then all of a sudden you see that car, you know, everywhere you go. You never really recognize that you buy that you see it somewhere else, you know, or, or shoes or, or, you know, books or ideas or something like that, and you, all of a sudden you see it. So, dinner parties, we've been, you know, for the last two-ish years, been over dinner parties. And we've always had that open-door uh, policy, literal and figurative. <laughs> and uh, anyways, uh, when you have something like that, like dinner parties, it is, is top of mind. You literally see it everywhere. I see it in social media. I see it in, um, you know, songs. Uh, there's just all this different stuff. And so... Uh, this guy I follow, kind of an obscure guy, his name's Andrew Walker, uh, he tweeted, uh, forged family, a response to David Brooks. And so I'm like, okay, I want to read what David Brooks, David Brooks has written for New York Times, this article was posted in the Atlantic, and he had an article um, that was, it said the nuclear family was a mistake. And I was like, okay, that's kind of intriguing, you know, I grew up in a nuclear family, a lot of us in church have grown up in nuclear families, uh, but so basically what he was talking about was the fact that in the 19th century, families were multi-generational, they would move over, a lot of immigrants, they came over and they lived, you know, big families, you had multiple adults coaching multiple kids, some yours, some not necessarily yours, all this kind of stuff, and then right after World War II, from the 1950 to 1965, that the nuclear family that was that was it's like heyday and then after that it's been kind of a disintegration divorce rates have gone up all these different stuff um but so what he talks about is that there's actually a new family that's coming and it's the forged family it's a family of you know maybe you're really close friends um you know it's it doesn't look like it's just married couples it doesn't look like it's just you know young marrieds it's it's older marrieds and things like that and so this massive essay uh, where it's pretty bleak at the beginning. He talks about all the different, you know, racial lines, sexuality lines, and all this kind of stuff. He talks about the fact that in the 20, 21st century, people are looking for a larger family, something that they can forge, a forged family. They're, they're creating these deeper family bonds by creating these families uh, with who they're in contact with. And so let me read a couple of quotes from the end of the article. Uh, he said, uh, sorry, I'm in the wrong one. Okay. 
He said, when hyper-individualism uh, kicked into gear in the 1960s, people experimented with new ways of living that embraced individualistic values. Today, we are crawling out from the wreckage of that hyper-individualism, which left many families detached and unsupported, and people are experimenting with more connected ways of living, with new shapes and varieties of extended families. He said, when we discuss the problems confronting the country, we don't talk about family enough. It feels too judgmental too uncomfortable, maybe even too, maybe even too religious. So this is, this is a secular guy talking about this. It, it sounds too religious. But the blunt fact is that the nuclear family has been crumbling in slow motion for decades, and many of our other problems, education, mental health, addiction, and quality of the labor force, stem from that crumbling. We've left behind the nuclear family paradigm of 1955, and we're looking, we're hungering for extended and forged families. The very end, he says, for decades we have been eating at smaller and smaller tables with fewer and fewer kin. It's time to find ways to bring back the big tables. So <laughs> this, is, this is a guy, like I said, a secular guy. He mentions religion. He mentions, you know, he's like, oh, you know, like you, you might find it there, but he doesn't, he doesn't put much seriousness in it. So I go to the Andrew Walker article, and his thing, he said, you know, David Brooks has written a masterful essay on both the history and state of the American family. He's like, it's so good. He's a professor at a seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's like, it's so good. I'm going to make it required reading for my ethics class. You know? And so he starts going on about the church has forged family. And he's talking about the fact that, you know, the local church has an opportunity to be that forged family, to be where parents and grandparents and kids, you know, we all can, can live together. But I feel like he even didn't take it far enough because he's, he's actually positing a, an example from his life where his family moved from Nashville, where they had a big, close church family, to a place in Louisville where they don't have a church family. They're searching for a church. But, like I said, I don't think he takes it far enough because he, I don't think, and he may be, but I, the way he wrote this article is he's not looking for it everywhere. And that's our, that's our job. That's, that's what dinner party is. That's our deal as Christians is that we're supposed to look for those opportunities to forge family wherever we can, with whoever we can. Those opportunities like Kristen's talking about will come up, whether you like it or not. And they're not going to be comfortable. They're going to be awkward. You're going to stumble through it. You're not going to have all the answers. But I would rather authentically love someone than someone go, I got all the answers. I saw a thing the other day where somebody said that Steve Jobs asked his pastor when he was a kid about caring for people on the other side of the world. And the pastor goes, oh, yeah, God does. And that actually started Steve Jobs on the road of that answer was too quick, too flippant. You know, we, we need to be the people that are forging family wherever we have it. Jesus said in Mark, in Mark 3.35, he was talking with some people around a table, and somebody came in and said, hey, hey, your mom and brother and sister are here. You know, and he, he, and he paused, and he goes, he goes, no, 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 these are my mom and brother and sister. They're doing the will of God. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why we have dinner parties. That's why we put it, that's why our slogan is streets and hearts. That's why we want to see Jesus in you, me, and us. It's because we want to forge families wherever we can, whatever shape and size they look like. That's, that's why we want more dinner parties happening. 
because people are looking for it. It's written in, you're hearing it in songs. You're seeing it in secular articles being written. It's the Forge families. Yeah. I don't normally use notes, so it's getting real serious today. I was kidding. I showed Judy my notes, and she was like, how are you following that? I, to be honest, I don't know. Um, Acts 2, 46 through 47, there were some key words that stood out to me. Um, the daily discipline was the big one because, I mean, everyone loves discipline. It's like everyone's favorite thing, right? It just means I get to do exactly what I should be doing um, even when I don't want to do it. But I thought it was an interesting phrase at the beginning of that. He's talking about daily discipline, and then he's talking about getting together every day, you know, with your family. Um, because I know some, there are some days where I'm just like, you know what, I don't want to see anybody, and I'm not happy about the fact that tonight is dinner party and there's going to be 20 people in my house, and I just really want to be alone, which is a very strange thing for an extrovert, but it happens. But by the end of that time, I feel full, I feel replenished, I feel like my cup is filled up. So I think, like, that's kind of where he's going with that. It's a daily discipline. It's growing, stretching. It doesn't always feel good. But um, I am going to refer to my notes. Normally I have them up here, and then I never look at them. But I'm going to this time. I've been listening to um, a couple of different podcasts about singleness. So, yes, singleness is the angle I'm bringing. Um, but um, <laughs> um, Amanda Wright sent me um, a podcast, and I listened to it. It was about singleness. And then there's another one that I've been listening to um, about singleness. There's a man who writ who's written a book, seven, I think it's Seven Myths of Singleness. Um, very good um, from what I've heard of it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I've heard him speak on it a, a few different times, and it's very good. Um, so a lot of these um, thoughts and notes come from a couple of podcasts that I've heard him speak on. Um, and it's really funny because um, <laughs> John is talking about the nuclear family, and that's part of it. I think the nuclear family means you're self-sufficient, you're self-contained. If we can't figure it out, then... We don't know what to do. And I think that has been modeled so much so that as a single person, I am a nuclear family. And so I begin to think, I've got to figure it out. I've got to do it on my own because that's what's been modeled for me. And, and, and you single girls know it is hard. It is heartbreaking and hard to make all those decis decisions. Sorry. Um, and <laughs> my story is, I wasn't going to tell this story because it's incredibly embarrassing, but I'm going to because, because it's about being vulnerable, right? So somehow a very large rat got into my house recently, which is disgusting. So I called the exterminator. They came. They set out bait. They did all the stuff, right? Two weeks later, I'm thinking, the problem's taken care of. It's good. I don't hear little critters crawling up in my attic anymore. I come home one day, and I walk towards my refrigerator door, and I jump about five miles to the opposite side. There is a rat next to my refrigerator. First of all, how dare you? And it's very, very still. So I am, like, on the opposite side of the kitchen, bent down, trying to see, is there any breath coming from this rat? 
I don't know. I thought I saw it move like 15 times, but, but I'm like, I'm like, do I throw something at it? What do I do? So I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking out and totally grossed out. Um, mice don't bother me, but rats, those things, I'm sorry, but the tails are gross. Um, and so, <laughs> wow, <laughs> preach. Um, so I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I walk in my den because that's, if you haven't been in my house, my den is like far away from my kitchen. So if you can't see it, the problem's gone, right? So I walk into my den and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then I'm like, call Kristen. <laughs> so I call Kristen and I'm like, she's going to, she's, John will be there and I'll be like, John, come and get this thing out of my house. No, John. Yeah. But I can't call John directly. I have to call Kristen to find out what the situation is. So I call her, no answer. And I'm like, okay, she'll call back in five minutes. She's really good about that. She didn't call back in five minutes. So I'm like sitting there like working through it. What do I do? Just man up, Mary. Just man up and get the rat out of your house. Just man up and get the rat. So eventually I did. I got a a paper bag and some contraption. And I was like, you know, 10 feet from it while I was trying to. But I did it. I did it. Yeah. Five minutes later, Kristen calls me. She's like, what's up? I was like, I had a rat in the house. And and I need John to come get it. John's in the background going, I got it. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I took care of it. But what it took for me to call and ask for help from someone was a big step for me because I used to run as a nuclear family. If I can't do it on my own, that proves I'm not making it. I'm not okay. Um, And that was a really hard thing for me to go through and to kind of realize. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting, like, how the thought process of I'm not a nuclear family, I'm a forged family. And that's what it's become. And, and honestly, dinner parties helps with that. But just living life every day with people helps with that. In the uh, podcast, he also said, in God's economy, everyone is a winner. In God's economy, we're all winning. We're all doing well. So when single people and married people and people with children and all of that, we come together, there's a mutually beneficial relationship for all of us. I get to share in the joy of your children, and you get to share in the joy of what is going on in my life. You know, sometimes it's as simple as just spending a little bit of time together. You know, if if you're like, hey, my kid's playing soccer, come and, come and you know, watch with me. I don't want to see your kid play soccer. You don't want to see your kid play soccer. But... <laughs> But we're both there together, right? We're there together. And when you, when you spend time, <laughs> when you spend time with people in those settings, you know, even if it's just come over for dinner, you know, if it's, hey, why don't you come join me for dinner or I'll come cook for you. It's those little moments where we spend just that, what seemingly seems insignificant time together, all of a sudden, we know each other a little bit more. And then we see each other in another setting and we're able to, hey, I can connect with you. And so I think it's just those moments where we begin to fold ourselves into other people's lives. Um, We need to involve each other in the day-to-day life, the adventures. That's where life happens. It's not in the big parties. It's not even in like, hey, let's go grab coffee, which is a thing, but it's in the moments where it's like, I'm folding laundry, you wanna come over? I'm doing flowers for a wedding. You want to come keep me company? It's those moments. It's those moments that you begin to really just be like, 
man, I had a really terrible day. Let's talk about it. And you begin to weave yourself into each other's lives. And that's what forms a family. If it weren't, I have family close by and I love them dearly. But when something's going on in my life, these are the people that I call. These are the people that I want to share my moments with. And I think that's what sharing the table is about. It's just increasing your size. It's making it bigger. And sometimes that's really hard. It's you have to be vulnerable. And you have to say, I'm not okay or... I'm going to let you see a part of me that's not real pretty. But I think that the discipline of that is going to make it worth it because you're stronger in the end. Um, God uses us together. He really does. He uses us together to, to fold us together and form us together. Relationships are about being deeply known. And single people in your life need to be deeply known. They do. So reach out, reach out, form those friendships and just be a, be a source because they can be someone for you too that you're just like, you know what, this is what's going on in my life. And that's how we feel fulfilled is sharing in that. Um, to kind of wrap it all together, sometimes making or forging a family is tough. It's a discipline, but it's meant to grow and stretch us. God does it for our benefit and for others' benefits because he loves us and he has a plan that involves all of us. Come on, how amazing. My gosh, I just want, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's all just stand to our feet. Can we give those five just a, a round of applause? <laughs> Thank you. You guys are incredible. Let's just recap it here for a minute. Judy says, God loves you passionately. I listened to G Jesus and did what he said. Daily discipline with God. He will speak to you. Don't just listen, act. We need to respond quickly. Oh, I love that. I love that. Jesse, we have no business gathering here if we can't serve people well outside of here. So freaking good. Kristen, the pattern of the open door. That's why you were on this panel, my friend. You were one of the, God, you were the hero in this whole thing. You have, honestly, when you started talking about the house you found four and a half years ago, you both, you, <laughs> you know, it became the place where we started things here. And it gave not just you guys vision, it gave us vision as a church. So we would, I just want to honor you guys. For stepping out, paying that yeah. double rent, <laughs> opening the door. There's so much that's seen, man, behind closed doors. You know, when we're home doing our thing, that they're out here just having the tough discussions that I would literally go hide under a corner or around the corner or something with the conversations you've had. We just honor you guys. John, the forged family, the extended family. It's time to find ways to bring back the big tables. My gosh. I had a dream. I almost posted this picture of, do y'all see, uh, Judy, what's the, the Instagram with the table thing? Neighbor's table. And if you follow them, you see like the most gorgeous tables everywhere. And they do them out. One of these days, I'm going to have three acres, and there's just going to be this massive table outside for us. It's going to be incredible. Mary, the discipline, it's growing, and it's stretching. Something about a rat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Don't despise the small moments with people. They're the ones that create the bigger moments. My gosh, that's freaking gold. God uses us together. I just want to pray that into this kind of this radical hospitality, that God would use us as a church, as a community, to be a radical generosity to people. I want to pray over the divine connections. Let's just pray this morning.